Good morning. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Certainly apologize for my lateness on this morning, um, but I had to get out of a, a session um, with one of my clients um, before coming on the show with you guys today. But I'm certainly excited to be among you guys on today to give you what God has laid nearest to my heart on today. Uh, we're going to be talking about forgiveness versus reconciliation on this morning. I'm coming out of Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew chapter 17 and, and chapter 18, I believe. Um, and we're going to be talking about, again, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Also going to share with you guys um, a session that I just came out of not too long ago and some insights that I just gained from that. Matter of fact, I'll probably talk to you guys about that first. Uh, but at any rate, I'm just grateful for this opportunity to be before you once again and hope that I'm able to impart some type of wisdom, knowledge, understanding um, that will help you guys along your way. And certainly grateful once again for this opportunity to be able to share this um, with you guys. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box below and hit me up with any questions, comments, concerns, issues that you may have. And throughout the um, course of the show, I may answer some of the questions down below if there is time permits. Again, we're certainly grateful for every person that's coming on live and grateful for this opportunity to be a part of your morning here on the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. I'm going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump into our first topic for this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for gathering us here together to give your name, praise, glory, and honor through this morning show. We ask, Lord God, that you just saturate us with your love, with your grace, and with your presence on today. Lord God, we are just thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. We ask, Lord God, that you just decrease us all in flesh, that you may increase in spirit within us and render to us a word that will edify, magnify, deliver, and set free. Lord God, we're grateful on today and asking that any person who doesn't have a walk with you upon the sound of my voice and upon this show on today, that you just touch their hearts in such a way that they may grow to love you, may grow to honor you, may grow to bless you in both duty and delight. Bless us that are in your will, that are in your will and in your word, Lord God, that we continue to be the Christians you've called us to be, to, uh, to let our light shine in the darkness that others may see you and glorify your name. Lord God, again, we just thank you for all that you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so before we get into the topic for this morning, I just wanted to share with you guys, I just got out of a session with a guy, um, and, you know, uh, he's, was, he was talking a lot about how he felt like he, um, you know, is not the type of person that he wants to be, you know, he's not the type of person that he wishes to be um, when it comes to being a man, when it comes to feeling like he's not living up to the expectations that he has for himself and he's not being the person that he wants to be. Um, and he's super depressed about it because, you know, he feels like I'm not doing enough, I'm not being enough. And I, and I, and I told him, you know, sometimes God will put us in situations where the thing that we feel like we have to be in order to be who we are the most, he will take that from us so that he can show us who we are in him, and more importantly, can show us himself. 
And so sometimes God will take the job away or take our ability to work as an attempt to show us who he really is and to show himself mighty and strong in our lives. That sometimes God will take the thing that we love the most away from us in order for us to see that he is the one that we need. You know, in his particular case, God had taken his health away from him, had taken his ability to work away from him, and he was so frustrated because he can't go back to work and do what he's been doing on his job. And so, you know, God had to reveal to him and God had to show to him that, hey, you know, I, you, I'm not going to allow you to work like you used to because I need you to remember who I am. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of our lives that we forget God. We get we get we get caught up in the in the in the in the hamster wheel of doing what we normally do. We're just you're just doing what we know just doing what we're doing. You know, we're working hard, we're climbing hard, we're doing we're, we're getting upon the getting on the ladders, we're doing everything, and we just forget who Jesus is. We forget him in the midst of that. And as a result, sometimes God will have to take away the thing that we are idolizing without even realizing it in order for him to show us, hey, I am who I am and I reign on this throne. I am the one who is trying to who, who has, you know, giving you life, giving you breath, giving you all being. And as a result of that, sometimes God will take the thing that he that we love the most away from us in order for us to love him more. And so sometimes God will take us through this process of 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 um, ripping us from the things that we love so that our souls can be healed. See, the, 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 the problem with a lot of us as Christians today is we forget that we are souls. We forget that we're not bodies we are souls we're not minds we are souls we're not hearts we are souls and we neglect our souls more so than we more so than anything else in this world you know we'll take care of our finances we'll take care of our 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 our, our health we'll take care of our emotional and mental states we'll take care of our relationships we'll take care of all these other things but we all we're always neglecting the most important thing which is our soul we act as if this body is going to heaven. No, it's our soul that's going to heaven in a, in a resurrected body that God's going to furnish for us. This body's not going. Our money's not going. Our jobs are not going to heaven with us. But we spend the least amount of time working on the most important thing about ourselves. And as a result of that, God has to sometimes rip us away from the thing that we idolize. The thing that we're worshiping, the thing that we're putting all of our energy, all of our time and all of our effort in to show us and remind us that he is the greatest treasure we could ever possess. The greatest thing that's ever happened to us, that he is the one. And as a result of that, God will do a work in us to heal our souls to heal us from the brokenness that has that has plagued us, already having healed us by the um, eternal security that's provided for us through the finished work of Jesus Christ, but also delivering us from the darkness that sometimes tends to try to draw us back in and draw us away from God. And it's not always dark things from the perspective of there being like some demonic force or what have you, even though it's all demonic, but we're talking about something as simple as 
us wanting to, you know, um, wanting to, you know, prove ourselves on the job more so than we do re revel in a relationship with God. Caring more about our bank accounts than we do about our relationship with God. Caring more about a relationship than we do with our relationship with God. And so God is trying to remind us and show us that, hey, I got to rip these things from you so that you can have a deeper relationship with me. And in so doing, God will heal our souls as we endure the process of delighting ourselves in God. In Romans, and not Romans, I love, I, clearly I love the book of Romans because I'm always acting like I'm about to quote it. In the book of Matthew, chapter 8, starting at verse number 1, we find these words. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, him being Jesus. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a proof to them. The proof is important to note because in the book of Leviticus, and I believe it's in chapter 2, um, give me a minute to see if it's there. And it is not. Gosh almighty. So let me see if I can find it real quickly as I'm turning through these pages. Um, here we go. Yes. Um, it's Leviticus chapter 13. In Leviticus chapter 13, there are, there, there are whole, there's a whole... Um, 13 and 14, actually. There's all these rules and laws about leprosy. And what to do about being cleansed from leprosy. To make a long story short, in order for you in Israel to have been cleansed from leprosy, you had to be seen by the priest and go through a seven-day ritual with the priest before the priest could declare you clean. And so even if you're healed from leprosy, you still had to go through seven days worth of work in order to prove yourself having been cleansed from leprosy. And so there are a lot of people who may have had leprosy at one point or another, but they never felt like they could ever have a relationship with God because they had to go through the rituals in order to be in order to be brought back into the fold. This is important in Matthew chapter 8 because Jesus heals this man immediately from leprosy. And yet he still has to go through the process of being declared clean by the priest. And so even though that part sucks, that you have to be declared clean by going through the rituals, it shows us as believers that even though we are saved, we are also being saved. We are saved and being saved. Talking about sanctification in particular. That when God declares us righteous, it is a one and done it is finished, according to Jesus on the cross. It is complete. Upon repentance and belief, we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. We are no longer declared dirty before the Almighty God. The, the death sentence has been, has, been, has been substituted for a life sentence because Christ took on the death sentence for us. 
We are declared righteous before a righteous God. And there's nothing in the world that can separate us from the love of God. Period. Point blank. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. Upon repentance and belief. And you guys, you hear me say this all the time. This is a denouncing of all other gods. I'm, I'm declaring I'm not going to place anything before you. I, you are the greatest treasure that I could ever possess. The best things ever happened to me. I'm placing you in the uppermost attention, affections, and allegiances. It's a declaration. Repentance is a declaration that I'm putting no other gods before you. Belief is saying I'm pushing all my chips in. And if I'm wrong at the end of this, at the end of this journey, and there's somebody else at that gate other than other than Jesus, then I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to hedge my bets. I'm not trying to say I got a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of Buddha and a little bit of Allah and a little bit of sage and a little bit of universe and all that, so that if I, whoever's up there, I've been doing enough worship. No, no, no. When I say that I believe in Jesus, I'm pushing all the chips in. That is saved. I'm saved. I'm done. It's a one and done. It's instant. It's a declaration of, of, of confession of mouth, belief in heart, heart transformation, transferred a heart of stone, replaced it with a heart of flesh that beats for the precepts of God. Sanctification is the process that we have to endure from now till kingdom come. We still got to go through the process. It's just like being hired for a job that even though you, even though the boss says you have the job, you may still got to go through the interview process. Even though you might have the job, you still got to go through the 90 day probation period. The same it is for us, except ours is a lifetime. It's, it comes with a guarantee. We are in the kingdom of heaven. This process is not our proving ourselves to gain entry. We are in the kingdom. But we still got to go through the process. We still got we still got to go through the process of sanctification, being molded and shaped into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. And what I and so what I told my client was that sometimes God will change our souls and give us the peace to endure that God will transform our hearts in such a way and give us a peace in our souls so that we can endure the process the process doesn't end just because we're saved if anything the process begins once we become saved and from one degree of glory to the next we're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. I told my client I'm encouraged today because I read Matthew 8 yesterday just in my own personal devotion time. I wasn't out here trying to have something to preach or anything like that. I'm, this is my, just me and my devotion. And I wrestled with that part of Matthew chapter 8 all day. And then when he came in and God revealed it to us, it's like, I see now. I understand now why you sent me here. Not just for my own edification's sake, even though I got a lot out of it, but it was for him to remember to remember and to know that you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tribulations. You're going to go through issues. Sometimes we go through those things 
so that God can remind us that he is the greatest thing that we could ever possess. To remind us, to remind us that he is the best thing that's ever happened to us. To remind us that if it had not been for him who was on our side, we would not be where we are today. That if it had not been for Jesus dying on the cross and rising again for our sins, most of us would be busted up, broke, disgusted, and would have no hope. But Christ did that for us. And for and, and again, I'm talking to the believers in the house. So for him to have done that for us, and then we turn around and place someone or something on the throne, God's like, nah, bruh, that's not going to work. Again, doesn't count us out of the kingdom, but we are divorcing ourselves and robbing ourselves from the power. Nebuchadnezzar knew who God was. But he had so much pride in himself that when he looked out at his kingdom, he had the audacity to say, knowing who God was, look at all that I've accomplished. And so for seven years, God took Nebuchadnezzar's mind and made him have the mind of an animal. For seven years. To show him, you think it was you. But it was me. I did this. I allowed you to have this kingdom. I am the one who brought you here. I am the one who, 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 who made this happen. And he did that out of the loving kindness of God. That was his loving kindness that drove Nebuchadnezzar out of his kingdom for seven years. So that when Nebuchadnezzar woke up, he knew. It's always a wonder that sometimes people want to worship God, but he'll harden their hearts in such a way that they can't even form the, the, the lips necessary to say thank you. And God will do that sometimes out of his loving kindness to remind us, I am the most important thing in your life. And I am the one who has provided you with what you're, what you're being provided with. My client, you know, he, you know, was so, so um, uh, obsessed with his identity. That I am a hard worker. I am a provider. I am the man. I'm the one doing this. It's me that's doing this. Not anybody. It's me. I'm the one. So God said, bet. I'm going to take your ability to work. Now, who's providing for you? Who's protecting you? Who's got you? Who's, who's on your side? Who's protecting you from danger seen and all seen? Who's your provider now? And again, he did that out of his loving kindness so that he would not get caught up in himself and put himself on the throne. That's God's loving kindness, the rod of correction, steering us in the direction that we should go. So I'm saying all that to say to us today. What is in your life right now that is hindering you from having a deeper relationship with Jesus? 
What is standing in the way of you deepening your relationship with the Lord? What is standing in your path that is causing you to be so distant from God? To where you think you have a relationship with him and either you don't or it's not as strong as you think it is. Is it your job? Is it your ego? Is it your relationship? Is it your handbags? Is it your car? Is it your house? Is it your children? Is it your dog? Is it, you know, is it, you know, your position in life? Is it the vacations? Is it sex? Is it drugs? Is it, you know, is it being lazy? Netflix, Hulu, you know, Tubi? Is it TikTok scrolling? Is it face, you know, Instagram posting? Is it your hobbies? Is it your video games? What is standing in the way? Is it religion? Trying to follow all the rules to get God to open his hands and give you blessings. Like, what is standing in your way? Is it trying to make atonement for your own sins? Rather than allowing God to be God and remember that he died for it all. But sometimes we can get so religious that we think that it's our works that's getting us into the kingdom. That if I just do a little bit more, if I go to church a little bit more, if I read my Bible a little bit more, if I pray a little bit more, then that'll then God, that'll make God love me. And God, I was like, no, I already secured that on the cross. What do you mean? So again, I'm saying all that to say, what is hindering us from having a deeper relationship with the Lord? Are we willing to give that up freely or does God have to lovingly pull those things from us so that he can remind us of his supremacy? Remind us of his provision. Remind us of his love. Remind us of his grace. Remind us of his kindness. Because again, sometimes we can be in our own way. Yeah, it, it, we can we can try to call it demonic. Again, technically it is, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's us. We we give the devil way too much credit. Sometimes it's us. I think that I know better than God. I think that I'm wiser than him. I think that I'm the man. I think I'm the woman. I think I'm the ish. Sometimes we are standing in our own way of deepening our connection and our communion with the Lord. But thanks be to God that he can instantaneously turn that around in our souls. He can instantaneously turn it around in our souls. We still got to go through the process of sanctification and have those things burned off. But we can instantly have peace in our souls. For as Jesus healed the leprous man instantly, you are healed. I will be clean. You're done. Still, go show yourself to the priest and give him the offering that you're supposed to give him according to Leviticus. According to the law. Go give him what's owed to him according to the law. Go through the process. You are already healed, Christian, in your soul. 
you still got to go through the process. And thanks be to God that in the midst of going through the process, he is with us every step of the way. So I'm saying all that to say to us today, be encouraged. Um, whatever it is that you've got going on, wherever it is, whatever it is that's going on in your heart, within your, 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 your mind space, whatever it is you feel like you are, you know, that may be hindering you from having a deeper relationship with the Lord, you can have one. You can have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ if you are willing to put your hands in the hands of the master and allow God to reign and rule in your life where he reigns supreme and is um, the uppermost of our attentions and our affections. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Thank you guys so much for the 1,400 likes that you've given on today. I saw um, Asha come on this morning. Good morning, Asha. Good to see you. Liberty, you came on too. It's good morning to you. Leah, you know you you my road dog. I appreciate you for coming on on today. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box below and let me know what you're thinking and how you're feeling. Um... If you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go right now to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and um, subscribe to it and listen to every episode from inception to now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation coming out of Matthew chapter 18. And so you don't want to miss it. Um, so sit tight and we'll be right back in just a moment.
you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Again, certainly thank you for the 1,400 likes that we've received thus far, and thank every person who's been on the live with us thus far. Hope that we're saying something that's going to edify your souls on today. Again, if you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go right now to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and listen to every episode from inception to now um we're coming out of the book of matthew chapter 18 talking about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation um we're going to start at verse number 15 and we're going to go down to uh verse number 22 22 um scripture says if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he listens to you you have gained your brother but if he does not listen Take one or two brothers along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two, or two, two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Then Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Um... When people think about the word forgiveness, often we think about the idea of, you know, when I, I, I'm forgiving this person and I'm pretending like what happened didn't happen. And so we wrestle with the idea of forgiving somebody for what they've done to us because we fear subliminally that by me forgiving them for what they did, I'm excusing what they did and I'm allowing them to be, you know, to be themselves and not have to do anything about what they did against me. Um, but forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about you. The thing about the, the thing about forgiveness that we tend to for that we don't quite understand in a lot of, you know, whether it be unbelievers or believers alike is that it has very little to do with the person who did us wrong. It has everything to do with us being able to move on from what happened to us. Forgiveness is our way of being able to let go of the pain and the hurt that we have experienced and endured from someone doing us wrong so that we are no longer shackled by what they did. Instead, we are able to move forward and we're able to move on from what happened so that we can move forward with our lives. Often again is the case that the tendency for us is to think that if I forgive this person for what they did to me, I'm excusing what they did. That's not what we're, that's not what's happening here. What's happening is I'm choosing to live my life apart from the pain that has been caused. The, 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 the anger, the bitterness, the rage, the vitriol, I'm no longer allowing that to control me. I'm no longer allowing that to dictate how I live my life. 
I'm no longer allowing that to determine how I'm going to move forward and do what I do with my life and my endeavors and my dreams and my goals and my aspirations. I'm no longer allowing what a person did to me two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve 10, 11, 12 years ago to dictate how I live my life. Instead, I am going to let go of what this person did to me, how this person treated me, what went wrong in my life so that I can live at peace and no longer allow that thing to control how I live. That is the essence of forgiveness. That is what forgiveness is all about. We have to remember as believers that forgiveness is not something that we just do on our own. We actually need the power of Christ to rightly forgive people because it's the power of Christ that allows us to understand what forgiveness truly is. When Christ got on the cross and died for us, he forgave us of everything that we've done, thought, and said that was not in line with him. Everything that was out of alignment, past, present, and future, has been secured and taken care of on the cross. God forgave us of all of our sins, all of our debts, all of the burden that we, that, that we, have, that we have incurred, all the hurt that we've caused him, he forgave it all. And as a result of the love that he's poured out onto us, that is the love that we now pour out on others when we forgive them for what they did. When we forgive them of what they did, again, it allows us to be free from the shackles of the pain, hurt, and vitriol that we sometimes can operate in as a result of something that someone has, has done to us. For many of us, we struggle with this because, once again, we think that by forgiving them, we are excusing what they did. That's not so. Just because we forgive somebody does not mean that we excuse them for what they did to us. Instead, we're saying, I'm not going to allow what you did to me, how you hurt me, how you did me wrong, how you did me dirty, to dictate how I live. I'm not going to allow what you did to me to hold me and shackle me to where I can't live my life. How many of us were hurt by a guy or hurt by a girl and as a result we think all men are dogs? That all women are gold diggers? So we won't put ourselves out there to date again because we're still harboring anger and vitriol and, and malice toward the person who hurt us. Or we get into the next relationship, but we treat that person like he's the person from the past or that she's the person from the past. And so they're paying for the sins of, that, someone else, that someone else incurred. Hurting them because we got hurt. Living in that pain rather than forgiving them of what they did to us so that we don't treat this person like the scum of the earth. How many of us have been so afraid of stepping out on faith and doing the things that God has called us to do? Living out our dreams, living out our goals, living out our endeavors. Because that one person said something to us that was so hurtful to us and we can't let that go. We can't let go what that person said. Can't let go what that person did. So now I'm afraid to live my life. I'm afraid to go out there and try. I'm afraid to go out there and do. Some person said that we're never going to mount to anything, and we held on to that, 
hoping that one day they'll come back and say, I'm so sorry that I did that to you so that then we can move on when you can move on now, regardless of whether the apology comes. Regardless of whether that person comes back in your life and says, hey, I'm sorry that I said that. I'm sorry that I did that. That was foul. That was messed up. I shouldn't have said that to you. That we can move on from that now. You can live your life now, regardless if the apology comes. But we're so stuck on what that person did and what that person said and how that person treated us that we can't move on with our lives. Meanwhile, they're living pretty. They're sitting pretty. They're great. They're fine. They're awesome. They, they, they could care less. Because, and we're afraid, if, if we forgive them, we're excusing what they did. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness does not excuse what a person did to us. It is us making the declaration to God that because he loved me and forgave me of all my sins, I will forgive this person so that I can be free. I will forgive him with the same love and forgiveness that God gave me. So that I can move forward with my life and no longer be shackled and bound to what this person did to me. How this person treated me. Now, having said that, there is a fundamental difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness says... I'm letting this go. It happened. It is what it is. I'm hurt, but I'm over. But I'm. But I'm. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna move on by the power of Christ, so that I don't hinder what God has for me in my life and my future. I'm not gonna let this be a hindrance to me. Reconciliation steps in and says, "We are going to attempt to restore this relationship, and in doing so." I'm going to tell you what you did to me and give you the opportunity to apologize or change or whatever the case is. Which brings us back to our word today. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two along others with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So, reconciliation says, you did something to me. I'm letting you know what you did to me. And I'm hoping that by telling you what you did to me, you, by the power of Christ that you say lives inside of you, will see the error of your ways and we will work toward reconciling our relationship. So to the person who hurt my feelings in, my, in our relationship, I've got to be courageous enough to say, you hurt me. And this is how, what, are we, what can we do to make this right? How do, how, how do we go about making this better? How do we go about fixing this? How do we go about making this relationship what it's supposed to be? And if that person decides that they don't that they are they feel justified in what they did, they're not gonna apologize, they're, they don't think that they were wrong and they were blatantly wrong, then you go and get two or three people and let them know, hey man, this hurt, you hurt me. We, what are we gonna do? 
If they still feel like, oh, I'm justified, I, you know, I did what, I, I ain't got nothing to apologize for, I did what I, bring it before the church. Now, I'm not saying bring it before the whole body, but bring it before your church leadership. And if at that point they're still like, oh, I ain't did nothing wrong, I ain't got nothing to repent for, da, 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 I'm still, then you treat that person like an unbeliever. And how do we treat unbelievers here in the house of True Gospel Morning Show? God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Again, when it comes to reconciliation, we try as hard as we might to get this person to see the error of their ways and repent to God. Because, you, again, you ain't got to repent to me. I ain't got a heaven or hell to put you in. But you got you to gotta, you gotta take that before Jesus. And if what you're saying is, I feel good about what I did, what you're saying to Jesus is, I feel good about not being aligned with you. I feel good with not working this out. I feel good with not, I'm okay with that. Because I was doing me. So again, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation is that forgiveness says, I'm going to forgive them whether they ask for the apology or not because I want to move on with my life and I don't want to live in anger. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live in hurt. I don't want to live in pain. So I'm letting this go through the power of Christ that lives in me and the power of Christ that forgave me. I'm going to use that to move forward with my life. Reconciliation says I'm going to attempt to restore this relationship. I'm going to attempt to restore it. And if the person, after all that we go through, still don't want to restore it, I'm going to treat that person like a tax collector. In a, okay, well, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Because you can't walk in unrepentant sin and call yourself a believer. That, that, don't, that don't work. That's not how it works. You cannot say that you are a believer and walk in unrepentant sin. The, the, the two don't vibe. See what I'm saying? So if you're walking in unrepentant sin, that means that it's deeper than me. It's deeper than you and me having a relationship like your relationship with Jesus is severed at this point. Because you're walking in unrepentant sin and you still have the audacity to call yourself a believer? That's why I keep saying, y'all, I'm talking to the believers in the house. We cannot say that we're believers and walk in unrepentant sin. The two don't vibe. There is a, a struggle with sin, sure, but unrepentant sin where, well, no, I ain't, I ain't apologizing for that. Nope. I felt good in what I did, and dog it, I'd do it again. That's a problem. That's a problem. So, again, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation says, forgiveness, I am letting go of what this person did to me so that I can move on with my life in Jesus' name. Reveling in the forgiveness that he gave me, and in doing so, Giving it to God, giving it to Jesus, and allowing Jesus to be the uppermost of my affections and attention so that I can do what he's called me to do. Reconciliation says I'm trying to restore the relationship. And in restoring the relationship, I'm trying to, you know, show you how you hurt me so that we can figure out how to make this work. Give you a real, real life example. Got a client who um, who cheated on his wife, and this was after years of feeling neglected by her. Attempt after attempt after attempt 
of trying to get her attention, trying to tell her, I don't feel like you love me anymore. I don't feel like we're connected anymore. I don't feel like we're to, we're, we're just, we're not vibing no more. You're always turned away from me. You always got your ear, your ear, your, your headphones on. You're always, you know, just, you, you, you don't want to touch me. You don't want to be around me. You don't want to do anything with me. And I'm feeling so neglected. And after years of neglect in this marriage, oblivious to her, you know, some, the right person at the wrong time came along and asked him those, you know, those three pivotal words, how are you? And it began, you know, a, a, a headlong affair between him and this woman. And the wife found out, or rather the mistress's husband found out, found his wife, told the wife, and now she's all up in her feelings, rightfully so, let me be clear, rightfully so, because he cheated on her. He's remorseful, he's repentant, he's like, I, I'm sorry, I, 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 you know, I got caught up, you know, she made me feel wanted, needed, desired, loved, you know, was what she was affectionate toward me, you know, and gave me the kindness that I was looking for, and she was always willing to, to be there and stuff like that, and I just, I fell into that, I, I loved it, I craved it, I desired it, and I was trying to get that from you, and I never got it, and she can't hear that, that's the part she can't hear, I was trying to get that from you, but you weren't giving it to me, I was trying to throw you a signal to say, hey, I'm feeling neglected, and you wouldn't do it. You, wouldn't, you didn't catch it. I tried to tell you that I needed you, and you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't listening to me. I tried to get your attention by touching you, and you'd always turn away from me. I tried to get your attention by sending you emojis and sending you texts, sending you ideas of what we can do in our relationship, and you kept ignoring me. Because you kept ignoring me, somebody showed me attention, and I know I should have run away from it, but I couldn't run from it for, but for so long because it made me feel some type of way, and I enjoyed it, I craved it, I desired it, and I felt good. It wasn't right, it was in the flesh, no doubt about it, but it made me, but I felt good. And as a result of that, you know, it, it, we, 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 we did what we did and she the wife can't hear it because she's so angry about the fact that he cheated and again rightfully so but she's so angry about it that she can't hear he was neglected for so long that I kind of pushed him into her arms that I contributed to this situation taking place the way that it did again it doesn't make it right so hear what i'm saying ladies hear what i'm saying gentlemen it don't make it right if you feel if you, i say this all the time if you feel like you are being neglected in your relationship to the point where you gotta cheat go get a divorce break up just go ahead and get a divorce go ahead and break it up because at this point, if the neglect is so big, if the neglect is so strong, and there seems to be no end in sight, that relationship is finished. End it before you go off and be with somebody else. Because all you're doing is trying to heal a wound rather than actually trying to, trying to establish a relationship. You see what I'm saying? So if you feel neglected that strongly, get a divorce. If you feel that strongly, break up. 
You don't have to stay with somebody that's neglecting you. That's abuse. Let that let it go. You don't have to stay there. You do not have to stay in a situation like that. But again, you know, she can't hear. I might have pushed him into this into that woman's arms. I might have made her made her, you know, um um may may have opened the door. May have opened the door to bring her into this situation. And when he tried closing the door, I kept swinging it wide open. And so because she can't hear that, in her mind, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't have anything to be sorry for. I don't have anything to work on. I don't have anything to work out. I don't have anything to get right. I don't have anything to get better for. So what 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 what, what do I have to do? You got to do all the work. I don't have to do any of the work. You got to do all the work. I don't have anything to be sorry for. I don't have anything to apologize for. So how can we reconcile this relationship when the reason that the relationship got severed in the first place, the reason that it severed in the first place, we're not even addressing. So how can reconciliation take place? How can reconciliation happen in the relationship if you're not willing to look at what you did that contributed to the problem to address the underlying issue that birthed it all? Again, forgiveness says, I'm good. I'm, it is what it is. It happened. I need to move on and move forward with my life, so I'm not going to allow this to control me anymore. But reconciliation says we got to look at, address, reconcile, and resolve the issues. Especially if we say that we're believers. Again, if you're not a believer, I'm expecting you to do this. I'm expecting you to look at the problems. You do what you want to do. But if we say we're saved. If we say that we're delivered and set free by the Almighty God, that it is our responsibility to look at the issues and fix it, if at all possible. And if that person refuses to look at the issues and look at the problems, you have license to sever ties. To treat that person like an unbeliever after attempt after attempt after attempt. I mean, it's so bad. I'm, I don't need to go to therapy. I don't need to. We don't need to go to couples counseling. I'm not the one that cheated. No, but you helped contribute to the problem that created the cheating in the first place. Cheating didn't happen in a vacuum. It's not like so he saw, you know, a, a saw a, a, a good-looking woman and said, "Ooh, sex time." That's not how it went down. And so again, if a person's not willing to work on it. If a person not willing to do their part to look at their issues, look at their problems, look at how they're contributing to the problem, you have the license to leave. You have the license to leave. As believers, we give them a chance. We give them a chance. But if they don't take it, we're not obligated to stay. Again, we try and give it an honest, an honest attempt, especially biblically. You get to want, take it to him and him alone. 
two or three witnesses, take it before church leadership, and if at that point it ain't, okay. Because at the end of the day, the fundamental difference, again, between forgiveness and reconciliation, between forgiveness and reconciliation, is that in forgiving a person, it doesn't excuse what they've done. Let's be clear. That's why I said there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness does not excuse what happened. It says, I'm not going to allow what you did to me to dictate how I live my life. I'm not going to allow what you've done to me to rule me. I'm going to continue to do what I do, be the person that God called me to be, and I'm not going to let this overtake my life. I'm not going to let this happen. By the power of Christ that reigns in me. Again, we're not doing this on our own. We're not doing this in a vacuum. Again, you can take all the therapy you want. You're going to need some Jesus. That's why I always tell my clients or wait for them to give me the, give me the green light because once you give me the green light, it's over with. But, we need the Lord in our lives to forgive someone for what they've done to us so that we can be free. It's about sh breaking the shackles off of us. It doesn't excuse or absolve what they've done. They still need to be held accountable. That's where reconciliation comes in. But we forgive them so that we can be free. No longer shackled by what by the pain, the hurt, the, the 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 anger, the malice that we're harboring because of what they did. Reconciliation comes along and says, I'm holding you accountable for what you've done in hopes that you'll repent before God and then we can work out our relationship in whatever form it needs to take on moving forward. Because again, we can fix the issues, but it may be that we just ain't meant to be together no more. And that's okay. Maybe we're just meant to be friends. Maybe we're just meant to be acquaintances. Maybe we're just meant to be, you know, co-workers. Maybe we're just meant to be distant from one another. That's okay if it means peace. Reconciliation, oh my gosh, reconciliation doesn't always mean that the relationship is going to be restored back to its former or better um, glory. Sometimes we can get the reconciliation, get the apology, get the mea culpa, get the, you know, the, the get the work and they're a better person, but I can't be what I used to be. We can't have the same relationship that we once had. I can forgive you. I can forgive you, but we can't be what we once were. I can move on with my life and never and never harbor the anger and the vitriol that you caused me, but it doesn't mean that we can relate to each other the same way we did. The relationship will never be the same, as, um, as Keisha just pointed out. It will never be the same. That's always going to be there. It can be better. Depending upon the circumstances and the situation, again, this ain't in a vacuum, depending upon situation, circumstances, it can be better, but it can never be the same. But that's something we have to work out. 
and that working out is contingent upon the recognition of our contribution to the problem. Our contribution to the issues and then working out and reconciling with one another so that we can be free and we can be whole, especially if we're believers in God. Again, if you got a person that you're in relation with, friendship, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you know, sibling, uncle, whatever, living in unrepentant sin, claiming to be a believer, may need to check a pulse on that. Because we can't say that we're believers and live in unrepentant sin. Those things don't vibe. They don't go together. To be a believer is to repent. You have to repent to be a believer. And we're going, and it's an ongoing ethic of, of, of continual repentance, not to get into the kingdom, but a continual repentance in so much that the godly grief um, leads to, um, leads to, um, godly gr grief leads to re repentance, which produces a salvation without regret. Produces salvation without regret and so if you feel that godly grief it should make you want to ask God for forgiveness when David went and slept with Bathsheba and got her pregnant had his wife had his had her husband killed then brought her in Nathan went and challenged him and said to him you know there's this dude that had this this lamb and he loved his lamb this lamb was like his pet one day he went off away somewhere and his neighbor came and killed the lamb and ate it. What should we do to that person who ate that man lamb? Man, we should kill him. David, that man's you. You had Uriah killed, man. You think God didn't see that? You think God approved of that? Because of that, God's going to take your son that you just had that you that you just had with Bathsheba. He's taking the son. There's a psalm and I can't remember I can't remember where it is right now. The psalm says that David wrote in that moment, God against you and you alone have I sinned. His godly grief led to repentance when confronted with what he did in an attempt to restore his relationship with God. God to you and you alone have I sinned? Purge me. Make me clean. Man went into sackcloth and ashes for seven days, didn't eat. In hopes that maybe the, the, the repentance and the contrite heart that he showed to God would be enough for God to relent. But God said, no. In that moment, no. But, and, and so, David loved God in the midst of it. In spite of what God, you know, eventually did. He still loved him anyway because he recognized God didn't sin against me. I sinned against him. So however he wants to, that's okay. But I realize now that I effed up. And because I effed up, I need to fix this. I need to fix my relationship with him. I need to fix the relationship between me and Bathsheba if there is to be one. Because I effed up. 
The thing about David and Bathsheba, sometimes we think of Bathsheba as though she was like this, you know, hey, come get this. No, she was ordered to sleep with David. She wasn't, she wasn't a willing participant. So you can imagine the relationship of Papa, relationship that was severed and destroyed as a result of what David did. So you're talking about having to fix the vertical relationship and horizontal relationships. But that's what reconciliation is about. Being confronted and challenged of what we've done wrong. Going to God and saying, I'm sorry, what can I do to make this right? Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for, for, for saving and redeeming me. Thank you for not calling me out of the kingdom because of my sins. And now let me go to this person and fix this. Let me fix this. And however I need to, so that if the relationship can be reconciled, so be it. If the relationship can be fixed, so be it. But if not, then... But if not, then we, we find ourselves in a place where we're able to... Um, we're able to, um, at the very least, say, I tried... At the very least, say, I tried. For at the end of the day, God is so good to us that he gives us his opportunity to be able to rectify our relationships with one another. To fix the brokenness in our world. To fix in, 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 our, in, our, in, our, in our circles. The same love that Christ showed us when he died on the cross is the same love that we have one for another. And so again, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to forgiveness, I, through the power of Christ that lives in me, can let go of what a person did to me so that I can be free and no longer live in anger, no longer live in darkness, no longer live in fear, no longer live in, in, in malice, no longer live in bitterness because of what a person did. I can move on from that. Being reminded of the same love, same forgiveness, same kindness, same grace that God showed me. It does not absolve a person of what they've done. It doesn't excuse what they've done. But it allows us to be free. It allows us to move on. It allows us to move forward. And to do so in peace. So that we're not hindering ourselves. From the things that God would have us to do. From the places that God would have us to go. From the destiny that God has in store for us. We can, we can, we can, we can move forward. Without holding on and harboring. The anger, the bitterness, and the wrath. Reconciliation steps in and says, we're trying to restore the relationship. So I have to tell you what you've done that was wrong in hopes that in you knowing what you did, the power of Christ in you will show you the error of your ways and you'll repent to him and 
you'll fight to restore our relationship in whatever capacity that relationship can be in in the future so that we can so that we can um we can um um the word word to use is commune but that's not what I want to say um that we can connect I'm going to say connect connect in peace and so are there challenges to this absolutely are there you know is it difficult? Absolutely. Some of us have been through some of the worst experiences life could ever throw at us. And we sometimes say, God, how dare you tell me to forgive this person for what they did to me? I get it. I've been there to a certain extent. Some some of us have been through some of the worst things you could possibly imagine. And sometimes to the point where we wonder, if God is so good, why would he have allowed? Sometimes we can feel like, you know, there is no such thing as forgiveness for what this person did to me. Or what this person did to my family member. Or what this person did to my friend. Or whatever the case is. For the believer, I challenge you with this. If there is no forgiveness for the person who hurt you, are you therefore saying that there's no forgiveness for you? Because God sent Jesus to die for all sin. All of it. Not just the sins that we can stomach, but the ones that we can't stand. He died for it all. Jesus followed up his statement saying, can a person be forgiven seven times? And Jesus said 70 times seven with this story. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one who was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, that's 10,000 bags of gold. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There are some people who have hurt us in some of the most heinous ways possible. Again, I'm not here to dismiss or minimize that. That crap happened. It's, it's true. If you can't forgive them for what they did, what does that say 
about the forgiveness that God has given you. Again, talking to the believers. Talking to the believers. If you say that God's forgiven you for sin, for all the debts that you owe him, how much more should we be willing to forgive those who have hurt us? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those or we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. We prayed the prayer all the time. Thought it was a game? No. As God has forgiven us, so we should forgive one another, no matter the cost. Again, forgiveness does not absolve anyone from anything that they did. It frees us so that we can move forward without living in pain. Doesn't mean that the relationship will be restored back to its former place. Some relationships are better left severed. But we no longer have to allow what they did to us to conquer and rule our hearts. And so again, I say all that to say, forgiveness is about you. Reconciliation is about them. Forgiveness is about you. Reconciliation is about them. And all of that is orchestrated by the mighty hand of God, who by the power of Christ in his finished work has given us the ultimate example of forgiveness so that we can forgive them for what they've done and by his power and might of restoring us into our rightful relationship with him can restore our relationships with one another if that person so decides to repent and fight to restore the relationship. <clears throat> and so I say all again all that to say there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. It would do us well as believers to know the difference so that we can be free. Don't shackle yourself to the <clears throat> to the um, hatred, vitriol, anger, malice when God is letting you know you can be free from all of that. That your life doesn't have to continue to be a bastion of anger toward another person because of what they did. <clears throat> You can be free, Christian. You are free, Christian. So walk in it. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Certainly grateful for the 2,300 likes that we received thus far and grateful for all the um, questions, comments, and concerns that have come through the chat. I saw Mark Sagan say, do you repent after eating shellfish? Um, Jesus declared in the book of Acts that all um, meat is clean. So I have nothing to repent for. So whether it's shellfish, crab, lobster, you know, I'm all in. You know, pig, I love some bacon. 
and God said it's all clean. Declared it in the book of Acts. So, you know, I'm good, boss. I ain't got nothing to repent for. Um, somebody said, just have a kid. It will fix your relationship. I don't know if that's sarcasm. Um, but in the, in the event that it's not, please don't have a child to try to fix a relationship. Please do not listen to that garbage. Because I promise you, that kid is going to suffer. That kid will suffer if you try to have a child to fix a relationship. Don't, don't have that child suffer on account of you trying to fix a relationship. If the relationship is that far gone that you, where you feel like you need to have a kid to, to save it, end it. End the relationship. End the relationship. Don't bring a child into this world trying to fix a relationship. That is not going to work. It will not work, and that child will end up suffering for that. The child doesn't deserve that. If you if you gotta have a relation if you gotta have a child to fix a relationship, get out. Get out. Let me speak more on that because a lot because again, what ends up happening is we think that we can try to control and corral a person into a relationship by bringing a child into it a lot of people will try very hard to stay in a relationship because so badly that they're willing to do whatever it takes to, to keep it not realizing that maybe letting go of the relationship is the best thing you could do for yourself for your peace for your sanity we want to be in love so bad that we'll think that load oh, if i just have a child it'll keep them if I can put a baby in her, in, I, I'll, I'll, she'll have to stay. No, that person will grow to resent you even more. Because they don't want to be there already as it is. Now you trapped them with a child. How is that going to produce love? No, that's control. Don't do that. Don't fall for that hype. Do not bring a child into this world in an attempt to keep your man. Do not put a baby in a woman in an attempt to keep the girl. Don't do that. That's not fair to the child. That's not fair to the person you're trying to trap. Stop that. That that That's sinister. That's foul. That's effed up. And, you know, even though, you know, I'm not going to say what God will and won't honor, but I don't, I don't see the good in that. I don't, I don't see the God in that. I'm sorry. Not trying to trap somebody in a relationship for the sake of you, want, you not wanting to be lonely. Stop that. There are too many people in this world. If that person don't want to be with you, let them go and go, get, and go out on a date. That person don't want to be with you no more, let them go. That person don't want to be with you, they're not worthy of you. Let them go. Don't manipulate the situation to keep somebody in your life. That's not free will. That's control. And it's real dumb. Let's see. Somebody said, can't, can't you do that without God? I'm um, talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. 
you can try. You can try to do it without God. And some people are, you know, successful. You know. But the peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, you will never know. And that is ultimately what we're striving for when we forgive and reconcile. Peace with God. That's what we're striving for. And so you can do it without them, sure. Go to therapy or read a book on forgiveness and do a workbook and set yourself free. Do some shadow work, all that kind of stuff, you know. Do some origin story type stuff and, you know, learn your issues and problems and that sort of thing. And you can go on to have a very good life. A very good life. But the peace that surpasses all understanding that rules and guides our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, you will never know without Jesus. So again, yeah, go, go. You can, you can do it without him. I don't recommend it, but you can do it without him. Many people have. Many people do all the time. I just wouldn't recommend it because the end game, the end game is always peace with God. That's always the end game. That God be glorified. And you can't do that without the Lord. And so again, you can do it. People in my therapy sessions do it all the time. So I'm not knocking it. But the peace of God that we all want and need and desire in our souls, you can't do it without them. And forgiveness and reconciliation is about restoring peace. Restoring spiritual, godly peace. All right, well, listen, if there are no more questions, no more comments, no more concerns, again, I thank y'all so, so much for giving me a little bit a little bit of your time um, to be able to, um, you know, impart some wisdom and nuggets to you today. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to any past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and download and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. This episode will be on the uh, on live later on um, this afternoon um, on Spotify and Apple. So definitely grateful for you guys. Thank you for the 2,400 likes. Every like, follow, comment, and share. Every question that was put in the chat. I love y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.